Record. All right, everyone, we're back for our tradition study. And this week we're doing tradition number two. I have with me my fabulous um, cohorts, Megan and Alice. And I think we said that we would start with your um, thumbs up, thumbs down around the speaker who did tradition two. Uh, we started first with you, Megan, last time. So let's start first with Alice. <laughs> uh, well, that he made some good points. I'm, I was wondering when it was recorded, actually, when I was listening to it. I think it's 96 or something. 96. Okay. Yeah. So um, it was, for me, it was a practice in um, complete focus I guess <laughs> like like the last one I kind of was like doing stuff I was listening and like what do you say and then go back and this time I had to really just not do anything and listen with an open mind and not yeah with an open mind so so I'm going to give the sideways thumb again sideways thumb again okay <laughs> <laughs> the half a star <laughs> Alice hey. I can tell how much recovery you have by how kind you are <laughs> I started listening to it and could not finish it and so I didn't I listened to like half of it and it was like I don't I don't know so that's my review is did not finish so what were the reasons <laughs> that made you stop um I so he was reading out of the 12 and 12 and sort of talking about um the AA 12 and 12. And I actually, I, the one thing I did like was mentioned in the AA 12 and 12, the difference between the elder statement statesman and the, and a bleeding deacon. And I had never heard the term bleeding deacon before, uh, which is someone who controls, controls the group essentially, or, or, uh, ties their own will to the will of the group. And we can, we can get into it, but I, yeah. I thought that that part of it, was was interesting yeah i know yeah but but you lost patience with it i yeah i guess i was i was also doing something while i was listening to it and then today i realized that i never went back and finished it i guess it wasn't compelling to do so so (laughs) okay great so then just regarding so that's our our um we'll call it uh alice and megan um speaker review of the 1996 uh, tradition study from the South. Um, I think, aren't they like Tennessee or something like that? Or you get a sense? It was North Carolina. North Carolina. North, he North brought Carolina. that up a, okay, so that up a South, couple of times. But the North Carolina. So yeah, we got regional rivalry, age rivalry, decade rivalry. No, I'm kidding. But uh but still, it's what's out there. So, and it's fodder for communication. So, just about step two. So, or the tradition, second tradition. For our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority a loving God, as God may express God's self in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. So, what are your. Megan, what are your thoughts on, or what did you learn about tradition too that you want to share for posterity? Yeah, I actually, I really love this 
this tradition and I got a lot out of the readings. Um, yeah, there, there's just so much I, in the, the OA 12 and 12 um, tradition too. I really love where it says, wherever there is a power structure, there will be power struggles. And I think this tradition in particular is really about governance um, and how to govern the group in a way that is in alignment with the group's higher power instead of getting in power struggles um, over decisions and stuff like that. And so I feel like I learned a lot. I learned that when you vote, you are supposed to vote uh, with the group or vote for what is best for the group as a whole, which I maybe sort of vaguely knew instead of just your personal opinion and that what is best for the group as a whole might be di different from your personal opinion. Um, so I learned that. And yeah, there's a lot of other stuff in here that I thought was really useful that we can get into, but I am pro. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Alice, what about any, and you know, introductory thoughts or comments on just tradition too? Again, for um, yeah, my, um, our 30 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned a lot about this one when I was at WSBC because, um, which is World Service. Oh, Business sorry. Conference yeah. Conference. World yeah. Service Business Conference. Um, I was on the bylaws team, which meant I did reference. So what happens is people put in changes to the bylaws or the policies that they want OA as a whole to consider. It goes out, people um, vote on whether they think it's even worth our time to discuss. And then if more than three changes are made on the floor as amendments and it goes to reference. And then this little group of people among, like there's maybe 10 people pulled from the group of over 200 that sit down and decide what wording to put. And first time I was there, this, this idea of substantial unanimity came up where it's not like in the OA reading, it says the group conscious is not a, the same as majority rule. So conscious is an expression of the group unity. So it's um, this idea that everybody gets a voice and then whatever vote is made, if you're on the so-called losing side, then you agree to abide by what the group as a whole has decided. And I've been in, in other meetings where um, there's a vote and it's even, and then the person, the sec well, it was at an intergroup meeting at this point, the intergroup chair voted for because that's the way she wanted it to go. And after that, I'm like, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, if, if it's 50-50 among the people there, then there's not anywhere near substantial unanimity. And it's something that needs to come people need to go away and think about and come back. Um, but yeah, this idea that you, like Megan said, that you vote for what's best for OA as a whole, not what's going to benefit your own recovery or your own, you know, viewpoint on the world. And I think that's what makes it important. This tradition is that you come to a business meeting with an open mind, not already have decided what you, how you're going to vote. 
Yeah, that um, that idea of that uh, group conscience is not majority rule was a huge mind expanding experience for me when I started going to open AA meetings and good, strong open AA meetings. And when they would have votes, they had already determined ahead of time what percentage constant, like, I think it was like 80% or something or 75%, something like that. And that if it was less than that, then, then it had to be tabled and more discussion had to happen. And when I, um, and then for, you know, and I learned that I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Group conscience. And that if it's 50, 50, then that is like being divided. Your mind is divided and it's not the time to make a decision. Um, and that was a real sort of, um, game changer for me around. And, and then actually the Friday night, uh, meeting that I used to go to, I brought that up and we changed our, cause we used to do majority rule because until you, someone tells you differently, you think that's what it's supposed to be. And we changed it to, I think two thirds, you know, that's interesting. And it's amazing when, when, at least at the meeting level, when you're voting on stuff, how often it's like, it, it will be like a two thirds split or like most of the time you do have a, right significant majority, you know, voting in favor or voting against. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And then I, I keep the, actually keep thinking about the thing that Alice said yesterday or last time we did this three weeks ago um, <laughs> about um, how we all have one vote and that we can trust that our needs will be met. Uh, even if the group conscience doesn't, doesn't go our way. And it says in here, like, no one ever loses a group conscience vote in OA and to trust um, that, like, your needs for recovery will still be met. And the other thing I, I heard in the, in the um, speaker tape was he was talking about how there was a group conscience around smoking and he wanted to smoke in the meeting. And so he just went to another meeting. And um, that is something that I have learned in in 12 step as well is that not every meeting needs to be my meeting and I don't necessarily have to like control the outcome <laughs> every single vote to make it work for me. Right. And that I can trust that I'll find what I need um, in this program. Yeah. Alice, any comments or. I was going to bring up that. So I asked, how old is this? Cause he's like, yeah. The smoking. He said there was a group conscience and it didn't go my way. And so I found myself another human another home meeting so right. his home meeting so that's the, to me that was like wow you know, his home right. meeting decided and he could not not smoke at a meeting and so he just I promptly found another home meeting and everybody laughed and then he admitted it was about smoking that was the that was the big controversy for him it was not about <laughs> you know some kind of huge a thing but right that's awesome so in terms of um you know the other thing that I that I'm always keeping in mind now is how, you know, I think it was last time, whether we, whether we stated it specifically or not, it's that tradition one is our common welfare should come first. And that every tradition after that is designed to support that first tradition. 
And so I'm, it's been interesting to reread the traditions now with that kind of in mind, you know, that, you know, as we move through this tradition study that we'll sort of notice like, oh, these are all the problems that, you know, cause again, I think we talked about how Bill was like, he wanted to answer all the letters himself. And so he got all the letters of all the things that were dividing groups. And I've been really struck by like, you know, there are some times where I just realized that he was a very intelligent person in terms of, if you can imagine getting all of these letters, all of these complaints, and then being able to organize them according to what are the principles involved that are being, you know, what are the core issues, you know? And so I, uh, the more I get into it, the more I'm really impressed by that. Yeah. I agree. And it's another, I mean, I'm glad that the, the traditions exist in these, in this written form, um, because we go, all can sort of interpret them in our own way. And right. I'm glad that, yeah, there's no, um, yeah, that, to, to speak to this tradition, our leaders are but trusted and servants, they do not govern, and that Bill was wise enough to decentralize yeah. himself and make it so people could manage uh, themselves. So uh, our, re our listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but if you Google the 12 traditions illustrated and it does the second tradition, I don't think you guys are going to be able to really see this, but what they show is, so I'll just, first I'll describe it. So they have a little character go, now that I've been elected secretary, I'll show this group some real leadership. And then the little character gets a little bit bigger, you know, in comparison to the other people in the group. And he's like, there's only one way to do it. And I'll tell you what it is. And then he gets even bigger. And then it says, furthermore, we'll take our money and establish a fund and I'll manage it. And then there's a, you know, character that's group conscience that squashes that little guy and says, down boy. Um, and then he's a right sized person. And he says, thank you. Now we shall talk about working the program, you know, and so being right sized, you know, working his program to stay right sized. So I was just sort of really struck by the tooth. And then the other half of the illustrated, and I'll put a link in, in the thing again, um, in the podcast again is so the first part is this like someone who wants to take over the group right this sort of authority and then the second part is is that you know that we are trusted servants you know and that it's um what's it called uh I made a note of it uh, servant leadership that the goal of the leader is to serve you know that it's not about power so do you guys have any thoughts or comments on that yeah he he um he quoted the aa 12 and 12 about uh they do not drive by mandate they lead by example right that you you know we are we don't live the program we are the program that if i want other people to do service then i need to be the first one to step up and do service and, um, and it, you know, it comes down to, it's a program of attraction, not promotion that, um, if I 
am living and working my program, then hopefully people will see. And especially if I pitch at meetings, that service is what got me here. Because, you know, the, the steps are there to help me deal with my addiction. This is my opinion. And the traditions are there to help me deal with all you and you are dealing with your addiction, right? So, so that, you know, we can play nice with others and, and not, you know, try well, it. Make sure, that, make sure that OA is here for everyone else that still needs it. Again, coming back to that tradition one, our commonwealth, like without, without the program, we're all back to just being addicts with no solution. Yep. Megan. Yeah. Um, The thought I had on that and, and what I was thinking when I was reading this decision, this tradition um, is I recently had the experience of doing service for too long at my home meeting and sort of becoming an authority at that meeting. And I think this tradition articulates really well that like, it's never a good idea to become an authority. And that part of working your program is to switch up your service so that you are just an amateur, you know, I'm just a compulsive overeater helping other compulsive overeaters. I'm not a professional. Um, and there are no authorities uh, in the program. So I was just, I was reminded uh, of that, that, you know, it's not, not a good thing um, to hold a particular service position for too long. And then it's, and it writes, I don't remember which, which book talks about it, but they so specifically talk about that in one of the um, books that talk about the traditions around that some, and, and I've had to do this a number of times. I, actually, I can think on the, off the top of my head, at least four, if not five times where to go and to either establish a new meeting or take a dying meeting and bring it back to life. And so I put all this energy into it and then at some point having to ship. So in a, in a sense, you know, when you start a meeting or whatever, you, you do kind of like take ownership of it. I've had to do that a few times. And then once it gets going to do that transition out and I've, and every single time I've eventually had to leave the meeting because I was such a presence there. And I'm also just sort of bossy and toppy that it's, uh, you know, people were turning to me and asking me my opinion on everything. And so, and, and so I left. So, because I was no, I couldn't actually feel like one among many, you know, I needed to go to a meeting where I was just another bozo on the bus, so to speak. What about you, Alice? Any experience with that or? Um, yeah, I guess it, it uh, I always felt like I was just, just another member until I was chair of my inner group. And then suddenly every meeting I went to, if there's an issue, everyone would turn and look at me, you know, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a member here. I'm not, you know. Or, or being asked to handle personality, to, you know, disagreements. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's um, so having to find a meeting where somebody there doesn't know I'm chair, I guess, was <laughs> kind of the solution. But um, 
It's so against our culture. The egalitarian servant leadership. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I think the rotation of leadership is really important that service positions rotate regularly. So no one, no one person can accumulate power for mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. So, um, Megan, I noticed that you were reading that you read uh, the tradition two in um, the first edition. Oh, really? Yeah. And <laughs> I, um, so in anticipation of tonight, I read uh, the tradition two. I read it in the AA. I read it in the second edition OA, and I read it in Al-Anon. And I was really struck by um, the very pertinent but different approaches that they took. And so for um, edification purposes, like in the 12 and 12, the example that they really use is um, they talk about, they kind of generally talk about the same thing, but what I'm struck by is, is the angle that they're, that they're approaching the tradition. So in the AA 12 and 12, they tell the story of Bill W being offered a position um, as uh, a lay therapist for a very popular um, hospital. Uh, Alice, do you know that story? Mm-hmm. Do you want to take it from here? And so I'm not doing all the talking. Oh, yeah. So um, the guy said this is that it was the head of the hospital saying this is this is very ethical. You can do this. You can be a late therapist. We we used to bring in tons of money and we can bring in a lot more if you would just be part of the hospital and and treat all these, you know, drunks. And, and we'll give you an office and what? This is where Silkworth was. Right. So doctor, in the doctor's opinion. I mean, it was a yeah. big deal. Yeah. The guy's like, when Silkworth pulled, first told me, I thought it was a bunch of, what do you say, like crackpot or something like that. But now, you know, he changed his mind and he was going to give him a, you know, an office and, a, and a, an account. And, and, and he, he approached it on the, and the guys that, you know, you're helping all these people and these people are getting wealthy and, and you're struggling financially and I can fix that for you. And he was all excited and ran home to tell his wife. And then they had a meeting, happened to have a meeting in his house that night. And, and someone spoke up and set him straight you know, and, and pretty much had went through the traditions, you know. Yeah. We don't want to be affiliated with anyone. We don't want to accept anyone else's money. Um, yeah. I can't remember that. There were like two other where I'm like, oh, that's tradition. Oh, that's a tradition. So they said that what, what they had is too valuable to all right. of them to risk him being affiliated with some hospital or taking money from other people and that kind of thing. So Yeah. Uh, he writes, this is from it. Um Almost timidly, one of my friends began to speak. This is Bill talking. We know how hard you are, how hard up you are, Bill. It bothers us a lot. We've often wondered what we might do about it, but I think I speak for everyone here when I say that what you now propose bothers us an awful lot more. The speaker's voice grew more confident. 
Don't you realize, he went on, that you can never become a professional. As generous as Charlie has been to us, don't you see that we can't tie this thing up with this hospital or any other? You tell us that Charlie's proposal is ethical. Sure, it's ethical, but what we've got won't run on ethics only. It has to be better. Shirley's, sure, Charlie's idea is good, but it isn't good enough. This is a matter of life and death, Bill, and nothing but the very best will do. Bill, haven't you often said right here in this meeting that sometimes the good is the enemy of the best? Well, this is a plain case of it. You can't do this thing to us. Now, what I thought was interesting that I didn't catch is, so there's like just the fact that Bill was offered this position. And usually you hear this story when they talk about money or prestige. So I was really struck by why he used this example in tradition too. And, and if you think about it, he ends on so spoke, this is the last paragraph. So spoke the group conscience, the group was right. And I was wrong because what people don't know who haven't read this in the AA is that he was on the subway, Bill was on the subway and he thought that God basically said, this is the right thing to do. So basically it was Bill with his own feeling about his spiritual path. And so when he says the group was right and I was wrong, the voice on the subway was not the voice of God. Here was the true voice welling up out of my friends. I listened and thank God I obeyed. Okay, even if you get out of the, the God talk there, the idea is that his spiritual illumination is not group conscience, you know, and that the higher power of the group conscience is more important than anyone having some sort of spiritual feeling about what's what's right for the group. So I was really sort of struck by that. Yeah, the other thing I find striking about that story is wherever there is authority or prestige, wherever there's professionalism, there's also monetization. And so, you know, if you're going to be doing, you're going to be an AA professional therapist or whatever, well, then you expect to be paid for it. And if we're, you know, paying everyone for service, it really takes away from what 12 step really is, which is, yeah, alcoholics, compulsive overeaters helping each other in yeah, a non-monetized way. A non-monetized egalitarian way. And then even with the best person involved, at some point, Bill would have to answer to the hospital because they were paying, you know, and then the mm -hmm. hospital, you know, even the best person, it's like the hospital administration, the hospital rules, whatever the hospital's, you know, mission statement is, would rule. So that was for the AA. Now, here's what I thought was really interesting. Moving on to the OA tradition too, again, a light survey around, you know, everything that we've already talked about, but whereas in the AA talks about the difference between you feeling one person with authority feeling moved versus the whole group. So I think that was a lot around, you know, that Bill talked about like how he is not, even though he founded AA, and even though he has this spiritual connection, his voice is not group conscience. So what is group conscience? It was whatever he, the whole group was feeling. And then in tradition two, in the second edition, 
Um, I noticed that they put the spiritual principle is trust and that um, they talked more around what we've already talked about around that, you know, group conscience is not majority rule and the rotation of leadership. And so I thought that was a little bit interesting and that they used the example. And I don't know, I don't think this is in the first edition because in tradition two, on the second edition, they talk about how the book, the first edition of OA 12 and 12 took 13 years. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe when I read that. And That's crazy. I've read that before and it does make me think like, it's like a miracle that anything yes. ever gets published. Yes. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, yeah, 13 years to get this. And that the initial proposal, people didn't want to do it. People didn't want to have an OA book. I mean, that blows my mind today, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, so again, and then also they talk about old timers responsibility. So I thought that was really interesting you know, cause there's not really a lot of talk about that in, in the older or in the AA 12 and 12. Yeah. It's interesting. And this always strikes me as a, as a difference between the like AA literature and like OA Al-Anon literature, where a literature is very focused on like, you need to step back and let other people take up space and stop being a narcissistic jerk. And like <laughs> OA and Al-Anon is always like, you really need to start taking care of yourself and speaking <laughs> like a difference between the two. The other thing is, is that um, also the idea of the minority voice came up in the OA version, you know, um, which I thought was uh, also, again, looking at, you know, sort of the different times that these things were written, the different you know, this is, you know, the 12 and 12 was written or the 12 traditions was written by Bill. You know what I mean? It certainly had to pass, but it was written by him. Whereas, you know, the 12 traditions for OA was written by a collective, probably predominantly female, you know, or cisgendered or whomever, whatever you want to say these days, um, she, hers. Uh, so I just thought that was kind of really interesting. And then when I read the Al-Anon, um, it was pretty much, it had, it had the AA, it had the OA. And, but then the thought, what I thought was really interesting is that it talks about, um, uh, so right away, tradition two and Al-Anon, for some of us, it is the first experience of positive conflict resolution we've ever had. So it talks about like disagreements can be triggering for us. And yet this, this is basically, you know, for, you know, Al-Anon coming from an alcoholic family or home that we don't have an experience. Well, I didn't have. I won't say we, I didn't have an experience of egalitarianism. I didn't have an experience of healthy conflict resolution, you know, and I really did learn how to do that through business meetings and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that was the same for me. There was definitely dictatorship in my household, you know, macho Hispanic father will be the rule of everything and everyone. 
I mean, when I first came in the program, I was in my 20s. I was still calling my dad to ask him what I should do about things that should have been mine to decide for myself. But I had been made to depend on him for every single decision. I mean, he decided where I was going to college and what I was going to study. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It wow. took me nine years to get my degree, but <laughs> <laughs> and it never even occurred to me to change majors. This is, right. you know, so, mm. but uh, um, yeah. So learning how to speak up and like you said, take up, take up space. Right. Cause when I came in, I didn't think I deserved any of the space I took up the air I breathed anything. And to claim it as my own, that I'm worthy of, and that not just that, but um, that I have something to offer, and yeah. that there are people, other people that actually there are other people that believed it before I well, well before I believed it. So, yeah. But to have that shift, you know, that was the for me that was the shift inside that happened that made you know all the other things possible was just that deep belief that shift in that belief that I'm not unworthy that I am the complete opposite right that you're totally worthy what about you Megan around the um I think for me resolution yeah so the one of the last paragraphs in the OA 12 and 12, it says, instead of arguing, sulking, nagging, or commanding, you learn in OA to state our needs and des- desires in an adult way and to let others tell us theirs, expressing our willingness to go along with any decision which takes everyone's needs into an account. And when I look at arguing, sulking, nagging, or commanding, like that was just that's my family of origin in a nutshell. <laughs> and you might add shaming on onto that list. Um, how, how it's probably in the second edition, God. shaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think what what um, you know, being in business meetings and then also serving on intergroup in San Francisco taught me was that like I don't need to control outcomes here, right? Like I can state my opinion or I can state whatever input that I have and then I can let go of the outcome and like trust that it's going to be okay and I have even like if if an issue is particularly triggering to me sometimes I just don't even go to the business meeting because I know I'm going to be like too controlling about it and it's like all right you know what whatever the group conscience decides it's fine like uh, I'll be fine or I'll pick another meeting and so that um is what um this tradition and and working in that kind of way has taught me is to just let go of outcomes and to trust um that the group conscience that I will still get my needs met in the the larger you know group conscience and in the god that is taking care of of oa yeah yeah totally yeah Yeah, i I, agree it's yeah go ahead it's in the second version it says all we have to do is the footwork and we can trust the outcome to our loving higher power who provides us with all the resources we need so i think that the for me, um, in my experience, the conflict comes from that fear 
that we're not going to get what we need and that somehow the decision the group is making is going to put our recovery in jeopardy and we just can't have it. Just that. Right. We know, we know, and, and you guys are ruining OA and it's going to be horrible And that, you know, it's just rem- remembering who's in charge a lot right. of times will. That, that it, OA's higher power is in charge. Right. And for me, it was, again, that the um, Al-Anon reading really struck me because we keep saying like, oh, I'm going to get my needs met where, you know, growing up, that was not the case. And that's why I was so invested in the fight, because if I didn't fight for it, I wasn't going to get my needs met. And I actually wasn't going to get my needs met anyway. But I was going to at least try to, I still thought that maybe I could change the outcome. Maybe I could create some, that I could influence the power of the authority. And it was really like, you know, I often use the analogy of moving to, to Spain in terms of living in a different country where not, you know, not only is the language different, but the culture is different. You know, the, the times that you wake up, the times that, I mean, it's so different and learning a whole new way of living, a whole new way of being. And it was only through the exposure of going to business meetings and seeing how true egalitarian democracy, group conscience, my needs are going to be met. I mean, it was, it was a whole new language. It was a whole new way of being. And the benefit of that is, is that um, I stopped being attracted to workplaces that were based on the old, I got mine power over places because I now knew viscerally of another way of organizing power and structure and balance and everything like that. And I started to become more attracted. It, it really did create a whole rewiring of my system. But in the beginning, I did have to sometimes deal with, you know, my having hot body flashes, if anything kind of got a little, you know, um, and I just had to breathe through it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, That that saying power with instead of power over that 12 step structures are power with. Yeah, um, not about power over. All right. So this has been a really great talk. Any um, final thoughts on tradition two? Uh, the last thing I have underlined here, we ser- soon learn that there are no they and them in OA, only we and us. And I think that's something that I had to learn when I first came in. Like, if you want a meeting, you don't ask anybody for it. You go. <laughs> make it yourself. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Or, you know, uh, it's, it doesn't, you need a meeting at a time that works for you or, you know, you do it yourself that, that it's, it's, uh, it's us who make away what we want it to be. It's not other people. Yeah. Well, I think that, oh, go ahead, Alice, please. Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, another part I highlighted was this, um, a vital part of our personal growth in OA is giving service, but it is also vital to practice humility by giving up our service office after a specified length of time so someone else can have the opportunity to carry the message of OA. 
through the OA message. And that was a big thing for me is that I, I grew my recovery by leaps and bounds by taking on increased responsibility of service positions. And like when I first came to OA, I was the key person because I knew if I didn't have a key person, if I didn't have the key, I wasn't going to show up. And, but I also wasn't going to leave people stranded. Like my people pleaser kind of worked in my benefit that way. Right. And I was thinking about this when I was listening to the talk is that, you know, this, the idea that we need people to step up for higher and higher service to keep OA here. But when I was a newcomer, getting myself to a meeting was all I could handle just right. And so um, my, when I was finally able to get a sponsor, it took me like two years of trying to recover just through meetings before I get, Oh, mm -hmm. I heard in a meeting today that we're supposed to get a sponsor. <laughs> like, right? So, right. And, and working through the steps and she's the one that got me to start dipping my toe in service. Like, I don't know, say serious service, but you know, above the group level service. Right. That, yeah. yeah. And it was the fellows that kept me coming to meetings by getting me to do service, come early, set up chairs. Yeah. That kind of thing. Just to get, just to let people talk to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, you know, I show up late and I leave early until someone grabbed me and said, we need help cleaning up. Why don't you stay? Yeah. You know? And then the painful experience of having someone try to talk to me. I mean, I just, <laughs> it was just so it was painfully awkward. I mean, I, I hid in my own, you know, I kind of, I, I did this hiding in plain sight thing yeah. with my disease and then to slowly, you know, one baby step at a time, let other people in and service. It was, that was all about service that that ha it happened through that and the importance of now I will give to someone else what was so freely given to me by saying, right. please, we need, can you please do this one, do this thing to make sure that OA stays, you know? Right. Yeah. And I will say I got into service relatively early in my OA career, but it was the thing for me that transformed OA from this is a thing I go to every once in a while to this, this is my home and my community because I'm contributing to it on a regular basis. And I'm here. I, I did the same thing. I signed up to be literature person at a 9.30 a.m. Sunday meeting <laughs> so that I would go. Otherwise, I, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have been there. So, um, yeah, the thing that this is my community that I'm actively contributing to. And, yeah, I think that that's really, really important, especially when you're new. Yeah. And, again, I call it that transition from attending OA to joining OA is that that transition and also that in the beginning um, I you know again the reiteration that you know just get yourself to a meeting you know what I mean and and I know that in the beginning it's you know you can kind of think like oh this is like some organization is putting this on and it's like you know like Girl Scouts like oh there's some corporate office somewhere that's that's paying for everything. And it's like, no, <laughs> you know, no, 
it's just us, you know, and our $2 or $3 It used to be a dollar for me, you know what I mean? Like we're just keeping this thing going. So anyway, well, you guys are awesome. Um, I'm really enjoying this and um, we'll be back uh, to do tradition. I almost said step three to do. Um, hold on. I got to figure this out. Oh, okay. All right. Bye. <laughs>